All right, well, welcome everybody to this week's episode, number 20 of the Midweek Matinee. We are doing the horror classic by Wes Craven, A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. Wait, I think um, this was episode 22. Is it 22? Uh, yes. Why is my numbering so wrong in my book? <laughs> okay. I mean, it's not so wrong. Sorry about it's that. It's a single digit. Like. <laughs> I mean, it's two numbers off total. <laughs> well, welcome to episode 24 of Midweek Matinee. <laughs> right, uh, uh, Blake, give me a good, like, Brett's not here, and now we're going to start talking, so I can just edit it into the beginning. <laughs> Brett's not here, now we're going to start talking. That's not going to work, but uh, it'll be fine. Okay. It'll be funny. All right. Uh, nope, All hey, right. nope, it's fine. I'll just leave like 30 <laughs> second pauses between it. That way I can, I can, I can very tell, clearly tell it's edited. There'll be a whole aesthetic <laughs> we're going with. Um, so I guess we'll just start out with what we thought. Joshua, what about you, man? Uh, yeah, uh, I enjoyed this movie. It, it definitely isn't like my go-to if I'm just like hanging out looking for something to watch. But uh, I, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street definitely has so much of like I, I don't know how to describe it I think it nails a lot of like the 80s slasher kind of vibe as far as like it doesn't take itself too seriously like it gets right into it like as soon as the movie starts the, there's already creepy shit going on which is like yeah. I, I think I think that's really helpful because some movies try to like kind of build into that but some don't have as interesting of dialogue or transitions where it kind of just feels like all right, I'm kind of just waiting for something scary to happen. So it's cool that this one just goes right into like creepy scenery and like, you know, immediately like, you know, close ups on like Freddy setting up and kind of seeing it from his perspective. Um, yeah. But yeah, overall, I, I think it does a really good job of balancing uh, the tense moments and, you know, the whole supernatural vibe of it where it's like, you know, stuff that they can't prove is happening and they're dealing with the doubt from the people in their lives while they're also trying to not get fucking murdered. Um. So, so yeah, it's a it's a good balance, and I think it maintains like it it holds up really well, despite being like obviously like really visually dated. But like I think that just works to its benefit because it just through and through is an '80s slasher in a way that's really fun to revisit. I think in in a lot of aspects, it doesn't really date itself due to the practical effects, at least in my opinion. Mm. Maybe that's just because I watch a lot more of the horror stuff. But sure, but. Um, what about you, Chris? What did you think overall? Um, I thought it was a completely serviceable movie. Uh, God damn it. I don't know. I wasn't bored, but I wasn't particularly intrigued either. I, you know, I think that's a product of me not growing sure. up with it. But like, it was just one of those things where I'm like, okay, I get why people like this, but I don't know. I, I don't know that I would watch it again unless it was like, oh, my a future girlfriend was like, I want to watch a scary movie. <laughs> And this was the only one mm. I had. I want to watch a scary movie with a young Johnny Depp. I will accept nothing else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the very specific. I want the man to have finger gloves and he needs to be a burn victim. And he needs to come out of your dreams. I guess I know what we're watching. Nightmare on Elm Street 3. <laughs> Maybe like a cool sweater at some point. <clears throat> so this was your first time seeing it? Yeah, this was, this was my first time sitting down and watching sure. the movie i think i've seen literally everything in this movie off like some fucking watch mojo <laughs> lists or something everybody but, had a watch mojo <clears throat> yeah what about you josh was it your first time too well, like, uh this was my second time i saw it for the first time about 10 years ago oh, okay cool yeah 
Yeah, this is one of my all-time favorite horror movies, and probably just movies in general. Damn. I um, it was one of the first movies that like horror movies that I saw as like a way too young kid. <laughs> my dad argues with me that it was the first one I saw, but I'm almost positive Halloween Two was the first one that I saw. Hmm. That's at least the first vivid memory of a horror movie that I have. Interesting. Um, so yeah, this series as a whole really holds a special place in my part, in my heart, even though some most of them I hadn't seen until fairly recently. Last year I sat through and watched all of them uh, until Freddy's Dead mm. because I waited too long on Shudder and watched through all of them, and by the time I got to Freddy's Dead, they were taken off of the service. <laughs> so I still have yet to see Freddy's Dead, but we're going to watch it tonight. So Nice. But yeah, I pretty much like all of them, but this is by far like, the best one i think they get goofier and kind of sillier as the as it goes on and i think they veer more from horror into like straight fantasy like so much so that there's like a wizard in one of them <laughs> interesting yeah it's pretty good though <laughs> I, I was kind of wondering about um, that because like this one ends on kind of like a I, I don't know if you mind if i jump right to it but no yeah spoiler alert the whole movie kind of seems like it's building towards some kind of conclusive either freddy's gonna get everybody or they're gonna like stop freddy and it's not really a conclusive ending. It's like a fake out kind of, all right, we get in the car and everything yeah. seems way too good to be true. And then just kidding. The car is Freddy. Freddy is the car. <laughs> and, and it's like, okay, now what's going to happen? So uh, do, do they follow up? Like, is there a whole movie where it's like a, what's that John Carpenter movie with the sentient car? Um, it's that, Wheel. but it's Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Christine, right? I think so. Like, like is, is, is it Wheel? Just, Maybe? Just like what Christine. Is wheel? Or you're thinking that. of Rubber. Yes, rubber is the one I was thinking of, but Christine that's not is John also Carpenter, a I don't think. <laughs> that's fair. Well, when you talk about Christine, I don't think of the director. I just think of Stephen King. So that might have mm, been what. Yeah, threw me it off. might not be John. I might be thinking of a totally different movie. I'm honestly not sure. There's quite a few like horror car movies that, I, and I haven't seen very many of them. So mm-hmm. I think you're right that it's Christine. Josh. But I, I was just curious. Like, does it? Yeah, you said it stays on like a fantasy kind of vibe. Like, I guess that makes sense. But yeah. I was kind of wondering where it would go from there. Yeah, not to, you know, I don't want to spoil too, too much, but there's only a couple of them that are, like, direct sequels, kind of. Um, one and three. So two is kind of on its own. It's a direct sequel in the sense that, like, the main character lives in that house. Like, the parents just bought that house and they're moving in at the start of the movie. Hmm. Mm. And so it's a direct sequel in that sense. Like, it's the same Freddy and all that. And all that stuff happened. And they mentioned Nancy and stuff, but... Nancy returns in the third one. And then, um, but I believe this is the only one that Wes Craven directed up until, I want to say it was 96 when A New Nightmare came out. Mm. Okay. And that one is about Freddy, like, coming out of the movie. So it's like Nancy and John Saxon, but they play themselves. So it's Heather Langenkamp. <laughs> oh, really? But they play the, like, their, their actual real life self, and Freddy is, like, out of the movie and attacking the people that were in the original movie or whatever. What the fuck? Yeah, it's actually really good, though. <laughs> like, it's really solid. But yeah, so the third one is called Dream Warriors, and, like, people, they figure out how to, like, manipulate the dreams for themselves as well. So, like, one of the kids is a huge, like, D&D kid, and he becomes a wizard in the dream and, like, to fight Freddy and stuff, and it's really weird and awesome, and I like it a lot. <laughs> that sounds dope. But it's way goofier than, like, the first one especially, but even the second one as well. Who's the main visionary behind it? Like, is it Wes Craven's kind of brainchild? And, like, did he oversee the remaining ones, even if he didn't direct them, or or what? 
he was the writer on a couple of them let me look up real quick i should have had that written down because i meant to mention that at some point because it's always like i'm always curious when something moves on without the director like obviously there's the there's the idea that like maybe the studio just feels like it's a really valuable ip and they want to keep kind of pumping out movies to keep interest going but like with something as yeah. conceptual as like Dream Warriors and uh, a wizard and stuff, I, I was kind of wondering if like was there a vision for this all along, and maybe he just wanted to like produce and let other people direct or what? So yeah, it moved on at least with number two. I'm not going to take the time to look up all like nine of them, mm-hmm. but he wrote and directed the first one, mm-hmm. and the second one was written and directed by two separate people. Interesting. And. I want to say the third one may have had him on as a writer or maybe it was just an executive producer, but I remember seeing his name in the credits the other night because me and my fiance Haley have been watching through all of them. So. And then, yeah, he came back for the 96 one and then there was a terrible remake that we don't want to mention because it was really bad in like 08 or 09 or something like that. Yeah, that, that one came out around the same time that the Friday the 13th remake came out. Mm. It's like a reboot remake because... I don't know, they didn't... I haven't seen the... Um, Nightmare on Elm Street remake in a very long time. I remember hating it, and I think that's I've pretty actually, universally I've hated. I've actually seen it relatively recently. Oh, really? What did you think of it? <laughs> You'll get mad at me, but I liked it better than I liked this one. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. <laughs> okay, but let, okay, so I think we can just talk about this now. I don't think any of these movies are actually good, so that one entertained me more at the time. If that makes I'm sense. I'm very upset right now. If we were on a Zoom call, you would be able to see. <laughs> fucking steam coming out of your ears. I understand, especially if it's like your first time seeing it. The 80s especially is kind of a hard place to get mm-hmm. into with horror because of like the practical effects and stuff. And if you're not, you know, if you didn't grow up with it, I guess maybe it's a, little, a bit harder to chew off, you know. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things where like the same thing I think about Star Wars where like nostalgia carries a lot of those movies and I think it's the same thing with the old slashers where like I don't really see an argument where someone could be like yes this is like if you tried to tell Martin Scorsese this was cinema he'd kill you (laughs) (laughs) that's how I see it well he actually directed the third one no I'm just kidding (laughs) I would see that's the thing. I would watch a Martin Scorsese slasher. That would probably oh, be I'd sick. Be super down. Just like Martin Scorsese should make a Punisher movie for Marvel. That would also be sick. Oh my god! But, that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I guess it would probably follow more with like the Thomas Jane one about the mob and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's where he would line it up with, anyways. Yeah, we got you know Robert De Niro. You know, his face turned all the way down to like twenty years old. <laughs> He is the Punisher. That would actually be a fucking hilarious movie. But it's just him as an old man. It's just seventy-year-old. Like, it's it's Capone, <laughs> but for the Punisher, the Tom Hardy. Movie. Uh, <laughs> I'd watch that. I don't want to see so that. So would I. <laughs> I would watch this shit. That movie would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of uh, funny you, you mentioned that because, like, especially during the opening sequence, where it's it's really kind of leaning on the like otherworldliness of the dream and hmm. everything kind of being like unfamiliar like you're not totally sure what you've been into because you've you just been dropped into it like i could yeah. totally see that being given like a a modern kind of vaguely a24 sort of like like lean into the vagueness and the weirdness and like the dream aspect of it like i, I could totally see this working as like a modern like 
still low budget but like intense and like uncertain kind of slasher movie but um, yeah but yeah i don't know I do wonder if it came out now because with a lot of horror movies, people are saying like they show the villain too early or too much. Mm. I wonder if it would be better if they like kept him kind of hidden throughout. You know, I think mm. yes, because that's and I, I'm sure you'll eventually. Seg- well, I guess we can just segue into it now. That's part of the reason why I don't think this is a horror movie. If you can, you can get mad at me all you want. Everyone can get mad at me, but I have a very specific view on horror. And I don't think this movie, this movie, like we were talking before, like me and you, and you're talking about how, like, well, thrillers are more about you running away from things, and this entire movie is just them running away from things. Why you gotta make me sound like that? (laughs) Well, that's that's everyone, what I'm making fun of them for saying (laughs) something. (laughs) Yeah, I get, you know, it's not necessarily a scary movie. It scared me as a child, for sure. You know, for weeks after seeing this, I don't think I slept, or at least the first memory I have of it. But, you know, now that also I've seen it like 30 or 40 times probably yeah. overall. So, it, you know, you're never going to be scared of something the 40th time you've seen it. Yeah, for sure. So, sure. I mean, I am, to be fair, I am a grown ass man, but I was not scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, the 80s horror, as much as I'm growing to love it for sure, because there are some 80s horror flicks that I've watched over the past like five years or so that I'm like, I don't really like that at all. Mm. And then I go back and watch it a second time with kind of different lens on and like end up liking it a lot. Like I did it recently with Sleepaway Camp. Mm. The first time I saw that, I didn't even finish it because I did not like (laughs) it so much. And then me and Haley ended up watching it recently and I loved it. So yeah, I think it's just that 80s, the whole whole 80s vibe, you know, just the music and everything can kind of take you out of it. This movie does vibe hard as fuck. Yeah. And it has a very, like, fantasy like, soundtrack, too. Yeah. It doesn't sound like your normal horror. You know, it's not real simple. It's not, you know, I don't I don't know a whole lot about music, so it's hard to describe, but it just sounds very different and kind of whimsical in a way. It feels yeah. like synthwave, almost. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely sure. got aspects of that, too. Like, I, I think you're totally right that, like, it's a very... It's super stylized in a way that is very 80s specific, but I think it I think it works for that. Like I, I think some stuff can go hard in like the 80s style and age poorly and I think everything this movie chooses to do like it's still grounded in that era, but I think it holds up really well. And like yeah, like you were mentioning the music, I really enjoyed the music. Like it wasn't too over the top where like like, like, you know how you're watching, like, an early 2000s movie, and then it's, like, a fucking training montage, and it's, like, that same <laughs> fucking, like, vaguely acid house, like, do, 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 and it's just, like, every movie has that kind of, like, song in it for, like, five years in the early 2000s, like, mm. oh, yeah, this movie's definitely, I'm like, what? it's still kind of tropey, but, like, it, it works, and, like, yeah, as you said, like, the fantasy aspects of it, I think, are what make it the most interesting, because, like, uh, it, you know the whole hallway sequence where like she appears in the body bag like that's visually cool as fuck mm-hmm. and like yeah like a lot of like the whole the whole layout of like the weird maze boiler room kind of thing like that's like that's creepy in like an unsettling way where it's just like reality doesn't work like this something is fucked up here and like right that kind and the of sheep stuff. yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. like why the fuck is there a sheep in the boiler room i think that's like the scariest part of the movie because like <laughs> If there's a sheep in a boiler room, you know you're not supposed to be there. <laughs> Just get out. <laughs> what are you doing here, sheep? <laughs> but yeah, and the whole... I think it uses the the whole theme of sleep really well. Because like, sleep in itself is like... 
I think it's really easy to make something interesting if it, if you're talking about the subject of sleep because there's just so much about it that's like universal but also really mysterious because we still don't really understand it very well. So I think it's mm, well yeah. used in this movie. <clears throat> and I think making him be in your sleep and in your dreams is what gave this franchise kind of like its own leg to stand on compared to like Halloween and uh, Friday the 13th. Mm. Because while those are still like vastly different series, they're still like big man walk slow, kill everyone. Yeah. You know, and this one is like, well, his arms grow really long and he rips his own face off. And like, (laughs) because it's a dream, you can do all this like crazy, stupid shit Mm -hmm. and like get away with it. Yeah, or, or yeah. like the, you know, it's an easy write-off for it, or or like the thing with like him manipulating like the sheet to like tie it around that dude's neck in the jail cell. Like that was, yeah. that was a really cool use of like we don't totally know what the limits of his powers are, so we just kind of see it as like cool creative shit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think the kills in this movie are some of my favorite in like all of horror, hmm. especially um, God, the blonde chick's name. Why can I not remember her name right now? But whenever she was in there with her boyfriend, you know, and she starts like floating up on the ceiling. Yeah. And is just getting like slashed. Like, I don't know how they did that shit. I love it though. <laughs> like, I assume they just built like an upside down room or something. Yeah. But it's just really cool. Like, I don't know. It blew me away as a kid too. Like, I was terrified, but it was like, how did they do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There were a couple sequences so, they definitely did the upside down room thing for. And. I think they're all cool as fuck. Like that one and like the the fountain of blood thing that's just like an oh ungodly gosh, yes. amount of blood. But like it's just yeah. visually cool as fuck, so Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my favorite kill. Like in the whole series too. Like that is just just him getting like sucked into the bed and then just more blood than you could ever imagine. <laughs> it's gotta be like ten dead bodies under there, right? <laughs> At least. <laughs> so I guess we could kind of move into that because i didn't want to talk about that like what were like i guess your favorite kills in the movie or like maybe your favorite dream sequence i think my favorite kill is probably um the fountain of blood that was the coolest one yeah um i think the way they used uh the blonde girl the entire time or at least at the beginning with scaring nancy that was really cool yeah, I think the best dream sequence was her like in with Freddy, like, oh, I, I understand how it works. That kind of thing. Yeah. I like that because it was like the one time where I'm like, yeah, this is a dream for both of you guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can do more than just scream and run. Right. Mm. I, don't, I don't think they play with that as much as I wish they would have. I think they end up doing it in some of the later ones. I know at least in Freddy vs. Yeah. Jason, I think they do. Um, yeah, they do a lot in that one too. Where like I like what's stopping one of these people from just manifesting a fucking like minigun and just blowing <laughs> Freddy away? Like if he can do yeah. if you if he can do it, like you can too. It's a dream. That's how I would think of it. Personally. Yeah, the later movies definitely get into that. Like I mentioned with three, you know, one of the kids becomes like a wizard inside the dream or whatever. <laughs> so that kind of thing, you know, they really you know, they dig into that a lot, which I you know, it this one is very much more in line with like standard horror movies than the later ones. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier. So maybe that's why they were kind of scared to do that because Wes Craven isn't really like up until Scream, maybe. I don't know. I haven't seen all of his movies. So, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong, but Scream was probably like, the first like legitimate comedy horror movie that he made. Right. Mm-hmm. I can see that. And the other ones definitely vibe more like horror comedy. So 
But what yeah. about you, Josh? What are some of the kills or dream sequences that stuck out to you? Um, I, I mean, as far as kills, like the 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 first one with uh, Tina is her name, right? Um, yes, Tina. Yeah, she, I don't know why uh, I couldn't remember that. I, I cheated. I pulled it up. Um, <laughs> oh, but <bastard>. uh, <laughs> yeah, there there are parts of it that are over the top, but still, I think like that whole sequence is just like shot really well, and I think like. It, it kind of has more to do with the whole like 80s nostalgia angle but there's just something about like the way the room is lit and the kind of way that they simulate like moonlight through the windows and all of that that makes it just feel really like I don't know I, I just like that whole kind of vibe so it, like getting to spend time in that vibe and it being a creepy like more like poltergeist sort of thing where she's like floating up and shit and she's like upside down on the ceiling like um, yeah. all that was really cool once it got to the like thrashing around on the bed bits it was a little bit more or I guess it started with that but once it got to like the amount of blood involved in the ceiling it started getting a little bit more like almost like evil dead where it's just like campy and I don't know if it's trying to be or not but like I'm still with it <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what it's going for Yeah. but I, I mean I definitely enjoyed that and then as far as dream sequences really just everything to do with like the creepy fucking boiler maze thing because it's just that's a really unsettling atmosphere and it also kind of evokes like uh industrial stuff to me and I, i'm a big fan of like industrial like music and uh scenery anyway so yeah it gets bonus points for that from me i mean the steam and like 80 percent of things and they're being just hot to the touch is like <laughs> terrifying and then you also have a madman chasing you that's like burned to a crisp and like yeah. sticks his tongue out and his arms grow and shit <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, some of my favorite bits were kind of the smaller stuff. I love when Nancy is, um, that first night, whenever Tina and her boyfriend are in the next room over and she's sleeping, and Freddy just kind of pushes his face through the ceiling. Mm. I love that bit right there. Yeah, that was, um, that's a really... Because it's just so, like, it's not over the top in any way, and it's just, it's really fucking creepy. Like, if she, if you, if you're laying there and you open your eyes and there's someone's face coming through your wall <laughs> and it's like turned into like some kind of stretchy material, yeah, you'd freak the fuck out. Absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> that one, and um, when she's on the phone later in the movie and he sticks his tongue out of the bottom of the phone, <laughs> I think that's just like iconic as fuck. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it's iconic and goofy as fuck. And oh, yeah, I it's, love it. it's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, it just made me laugh more than anything else. Like, that's fucking gross, dude. Yeah. <laughs> just talking on the phone and all of a sudden there's a tongue in your mouth. <laughs> Blake, I'm curious how you feel about this. To me, as a total layman to horror in general, like having seen like a few movies but not feeling like I have a grasp of like the overall arc of the style, I, it feels to me like gross-out elements were more common in the 80s than they are now. Uh but it, how do you feel about that? Because, like, with the exception of movies that specifically go in that direction to try to, like, elicit that kind of response, like, it, it feels more fragmented now, I guess, where it's, like, you have specifically gross or specifically, like, gruesome and, like, torture porn type stuff. But it feels like just for sure. a general, like, you know, popcorn, go to the movies and see a horror movie kind of thing, the gross out elements might be less prevalent. But is that the case or am I just making shit up? I think that it's always been kind of part of it and still is to an extent. Mm -hmm. I think it kind of goes in spurts, you know, like the popular thing now is more so like the um, kind of indie stuff like from A24 right now, like Hereditary and The Witch. And some of that is gory. Like there are some gory parts of Hereditary and Midsummer for sure. Mm -hmm. But um, Freddy of the big three is definitely 
at least in my opinion, the goriest. And I haven't seen all of the Nightmare on Elm Street, or sorry, the uh, Friday the 13th movies, so maybe they get a lot gorier, but there's definitely blood in the first few that I have seen, um, but nothing like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Mm. And Halloween, I don't think there's any blood in the first Halloween and I, that I can recall. I may be wrong. But in the later ones, you know, like people will get stabbed and like blood goes down. But until the Rob Zombie Halloween movies, there was never any like super gore stuff. Mm-hmm. And even those weren't incredibly gory. You know, they were a lot more bloody than the previous. But so there's always been aspects to it. I think it just depends on the director and stuff. And I think this being like dreamy and kind of whimsical and fantasy like it got to play with that a lot more too. Like with the blood coming out of the bed, you know. What did you think of the characters in general, I guess? Did they seem like they were making decent choices to you guys, or what? No. Like, had... No? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. In what ways? Okay, first off, every person who was told to stay awake for some reason decided to sit in their bed, <laughs> and it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Like, like the like Johnny Depp's character, every time, she's like, no, Grant, you gotta stay awake. He's like, yeah, oh, I'm just gonna put on headphones and watch TV in bed. What the fuck are you doing? Do some push-ups, drink a coffee just like no i'm just gonna literally act like i'm getting ready for bed but i'm staying awake (laughs) yeah like i don't understand that shit yeah it's an issue (laughs) it's an issue with the series there i think it becomes kind of a joke of like someone telling someone all right i'm going to go to sleep you stay awake and keep me awake or wake me up if i start to have a nightmare yeah and then they immediately fall asleep (laughs) that scene i didn't necessarily have a problem with because at least he wasn't in bed you know, because he was sitting there. He was sitting in the chair, and yeah. And he didn't necessarily believe what was going on. But, like, the, the, the second one, when he, like, right before he dies, where it's like, bro, <laughs> get out of bed. Yeah. <clears throat> the guy understands it's easier, like, especially if you made this movie in 2020, they would just fucking turn on Call of Duty and chill for a couple <laughs> hours. And it would be a lot easier to stay awake. But, like, yeah. at the very least, stand up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Do literally you fall anything. asleep. Yes. It, anything. Jerk off. Like, I don't know. Do something else. <laughs> yeah, no, I 100% agree there. What about you, Josh? Pretty much agree, or you have anything to add? Um, For the most part, I felt like pretty much everyone's decisions were pretty within the, the range of, like, you know, a, an older horror movie where the movie needs people to not be smart enough to figure out a way to (laughs) circumvent the horrible thing that's happening to them um but it it was really cool like when when heather finally started like figuring out like okay fine like there are rules to this i can i can use this to my advantage like i I thought that was a little bit out of nowhere because most of the movie it just seemed like she was just kind of like not really doing anything other than being scared and freaked out but especially for the end bit like it, it was really cool seeing like an almost home alone uh, before Home Alone came out, yeah, um, kind of vibe of like, all right, I'm gonna like lay out traps and like I'm gonna somehow queue up some fucking explosives in my living room and like I'm gonna get this guy. Like that whole aspect was pretty cool. Yeah, I I wrote that down in the notes to mention it. The Home Alone aspect of like, I just love that shit so much. I wish there were more horror movies that dealt with that kind of stuff. Mm. <laughs> just setting traps and gunpowder i guess in light bulbs <laughs> yeah <laughs> has anyone done this kind of movie where the the target is like a hardcore prepper who's been like waiting for an opportunity like this there's one, there's one that i haven't seen yet it's called the collector or the collection something like that but a guy breaks into a house 
to like steal shit and then come to find out like a serial killer had already gone in there and like set traps all through the house oh that's damn cool yeah um, so i want to see that i haven't gotten around to it though i was thinking of uh don't breathe i don't know if you've seen that one yes like, don't breathe that's a good one that one is it's not necessarily exactly what you're talking about but some shit happens trapped in a house that guy yeah. is very clearly a prepper at some that's in some ways mm. <laughs> <laughs> he's prepping for something <laughs> that's definitely a fact <laughs> um to kind of stick with the characters a bit um you know craven he did scream later which is very much a parody of horror mm-hmm. and i think and i wonder you know i'm not an expert by any means with horror like don't get that twisted so i wonder if before this a lot of movies in horror specifically had like really shitty parents and if he was like making a play on that because the parents in this movie are just god awful <laughs> and it's like a series staple like every movie every parent and every series and all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies is just trash so I, I can agree with that but I think there's a problem with that where none of these people coherently have a conversation with their parents either yeah. that's also true sure we're like they Nancy, never really- Nancy is half asleep she's like no the man in my dream is killing everyone I'd be like, uh, uh, you need to go to bed, my dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, like when I was fifteen or sixteen, I barely had like coherent conversations with my parents about anything. And so, if like I thought that a man in my dreams was killing people, they might have been the last people that I would go to and like, yeah. try to explain that to. You know? Yeah, you're you're right. But she also the entire time sounded like she was tripping on mushrooms. So like That's it fair. didn't yeah. it doesn't help her case. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm yeah, surprised sure. I'm surprised the mom didn't just have her committed when she was like, I'm getting her the help she needs. Like I was surprised it was yeah. like actually like a specialized sleep institute where they could maybe try to figure it out and not just I'm gonna get you fifty one fifty, see you later. <laughs> well, I think she was spending all of their savings account on bottles of vodka and hiding them throughout the house. <laughs> Hidden so. in the towels. <laughs> <laughs> I was like you're a fucking grown adult just have a bar what are you doing yeah. <laughs> and it was like the same bottle like all of she just went and bought like 20 bottles of vodka and just like hit them all around the house. <laughs> hey what do you know what you like yeah. just always drinking <laughs> yeah so i think one of my favorite parts of the movie as well and it's still like to this day kind of blows me away with like how long it lasted and i get that different takes exist and stuff but mm. still with Freddy being on fire at the end. Mm, yeah. yeah. It just went on and on, and this dude is, like, running upstairs and falling downstairs, <laughs> and he's just on fire the whole time. And I'm just like, how the fuck did they do that? <laughs> yeah, I, I was noticing, like, each of the each of the clips they used were pretty short. So they, they feasibly could have done a lot of separate, like, all right, we're going to do this and get our, like, eight seconds of footage and then put this guy out and try again. And then do it again, yeah. But yeah, yeah. That's what I wonder too. But it's just like, dude, this dude's on fire for like a minute straight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like, is he affected by this or not? Because then they go upstairs and he's still on fire, and it's like, well, I thought, (laughs) I thought he was being burned alive and didn't like it, but he seems like he's gotten used to it now. Well, Robert England, he's just—he actually looks like Freddy now. He's just burned, so (laughs) that's why they could only hire him to do the sequel. So (laughs) he's so dedicated. He got skin grafts to play the part. Dial LaBeouf dedicated. <laughs> I was just gonna no, say go what the series could really use is some Bayhem. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's this whole thing with like uh Shia LaBeouf before he was perceived to have gone into weird territory for a bit. 
did this like behind the scenes clip when he was working on one of the Transformers movies where he was just like screaming and shit and he was like, boom, Bayhem. And it was just like, okay, all right. But- <laughs> <laughs> I would watch a Michael Bay directed uh, Friday the Nightmare on Elm Street. Street. <laughs> Freddy just only uses so dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> like Freddy versus Bad Boys or something. Oh, I would watch that movie. <laughs> Freddy versus that, Jason versus the bad boys for life. That could work, honestly. Yeah, I'd be down for that, honestly. Yeah, it would be kind of like Supernatural, but with Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. So did this movie... I know, Chris, you didn't super get, dig it a whole lot, but um, did it make you want to see any of the sequels or anything? Me? Yeah. N- no, not really. No? Um, but it's not, it's not an indictment of the movie. It's just like... Sure that no i don't know i don't i guess i don't really have anything else to say like no you're good i was just curious yeah i mean i, I would be interested in seeing one of the like more cartoony ones but like yeah. i don't know i feel like that's the problem with these franchises is they go on for so long they get ridiculous and then you have to send them to space and you know <laughs> jason x which i like jason x i think that's the most fun I one they made that has one of my favorite kills in horror too where he's yeah. like puts the girl's head in the yeah, nitrous the oxide and just slams it yeah yeah, yeah what about that. you josh yes and no I, I think i always have that interest of like if they cared enough to make these movies like I, I don't know. E- even if a movie is totally a cash grab, I have to believe there's like there's at least something there that somebody was like, okay, if I'm gonna get through the process of making this, I have to believe in it for this reason or something. So I'm always interested to like right. see the entire series and like see how like the vision changes or if they end up kind of living up to it. But I mean, especially now that you told me there's like a whole D and D aspect in the third one, and there's like a dream wizard. Like I'd fucking watch that. Yeah, the third one is pretty fairly widely considered to be like the best one it's a lot of people's favorites really yeah a lot of people really love third one and the first one and then the rest are like ah we still like freddy so we'll watch them all and they're all good Hmm. but you know the first and the third one are the two standouts for sure okay yeah uh i'll definitely have to check that out i I think watching this one again reminded me of like well i like I, I was born in like the early nineties and don't like have a lot of nostalgia from my own life of eighties movies, but I can still sure. appreciate like there's something really particular about a lot of eighties movies. And I think it's, it's fun to get into that mode and kind of like dive into it. And this movie definitely has a lot of those elements and it makes me want to spend more time in that kind of eighties slasher mode. So I, I could totally see myself watching uh, the rest of the series, even if it's more of like a, I'm kind of watching them and like chilling and maybe doing something a little mindless in the background as opposed to watching them full on like, you know, once upon a time in America, but, um, but still. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's probably one of my favorite horror franchises just in general. It's definitely my favorite of the big three Hmm. with Halloween being closely behind and Freddie or, uh, sorry, Jason being pretty much at the bottom, which I ordered that giant new box set, so I'm going to watch through all of them finally and hope that I love them. <laughs> Hold on. How is Jason at the bottom when Jason's the best one? Oh, I don't think he's the best. He's by far the best. In what ways is he better than Freddy? Uh, I mean, in a lot of them, because <laughs> I don't think... I don't... I think that's part Very of compelling. The- Sold. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's part of the problem I had with this movie where like I didn't find Freddy particularly compelling because all 
it, it felt to me kind of like just parlor tricks where that's the thing where I think Jason and to a lesser extent Michael Myers but I have different problems with Michael Myers like <laughs> is more scary because he's a real th- yeah Freddy fr- this is a comic book movie whereas um, I think Friday the 13th is a real un- until they get a little off the rails I mean they get off the rails with it from the beginning or sure. from the second one because he's you know a drowned man who comes back to life and <laughs> somehow right. walks the speed of light, but um, he just feels more real. His violence is more real. Where Freddy, I would I would rather have seen this movie as like a graphic novel, and I think that would have been a lot yeah, more sure. interesting. Personally, hmm. yeah, I think the whole dream aspect of it is what kicks it up for me because you always have to dream. Mm-hmm. And you always have to sleep, no matter what. And with you know, uh, with how with Michael Myers in Halloween, he doesn't really kill unless you're like from that town and like somehow connected to like his sister. And it like gets kind of weird towards like the fourth and fifth, maybe with like cult shit that is kind of bad. Mm-hmm. But with Jason, you know, he's very li- linked into a certain area. Which later in the series, I know he goes to like Manhattan and then yeah. to space. So and I guess. Hell. And hell, so you know, <laughs> you're going with the whole series, which I haven't seen, so I can't comment fully on. But I don't know something about Freddy. Just like I'm not scared while watching the movies, but the concept of Freddy terrifies me more than the others. I think someone hopping into your dreams every time you go to sleep is like fucking terrifying because you can only stay up for so long. Mm. I think Freddy versus Jason was the one that touched on that the most. Of like, I've been up for six days and I'm starting to like see shit. Yeah, yeah. And like kind of like literally go insane. Like I think that's a really interesting concept. And you can say what you want about Freddy versus Jason like as a movie, but I like <laughs> I think, that one. I like it too, but a lot of people don't. So, <laughs> but this is a bad take. Freddy versus Jason is fun. It may not be like For sure. again, it's not cinema, but it's fun. Yeah, I don't know what year it came out, but it just reminds me at least. And if, if it was '90s, this is obviously why. But it just reminds me of like the '90s like slashers it's, of like Scream the 90s. and like the late Halloween movies. Mm. Which the two '90s Halloween movies are like really oddly like polar opposites. One is like garbage, and one is extremely good. But neither of them are as yeah. good as Jason X. So yes, <laughs> um, I, I'm significantly more scared of Nano Machine Jason Voorhees than any other version of Jason Voorhees. <laughs> Uh, I get that. I get that. <laughs> he looks that that is definitely his best character design too. He just looks fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, he looks sick for real. He, I could totally see and him beating up Undertaker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think it's just the dream aspect is why it kind of pushes it to the top for me personally. If you want to talk about, I mean, we've already talked about like kills and like dream stuff, but if there are any other scenes that anybody really had an affinity for, wants to shout them out, you can go ahead. Josh or Chris? I mean, should we talk about the blow-up doll at the end of the movie? There's a blow-up doll? <laughs> we probably should. You <laughs> didn't notice when he pulls his her mom back in the house? That was just a very clear blow-up doll and didn't look good at all. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. It was real bad. Yeah. Her arm, like, bent, like, really wild when he pulled her in, too. Yeah. You they didn't try with that scene like it, was, it reminds me of the end of Dolomite it's just like well we're not gonna do it again <laughs> <laughs> yeah alright we gotta do this and she's too big for the window what do we do uh, I gotta blow up doll in my car <laughs> <laughs> you don't it's ask like any questions someone's that they brought from home <laughs> 
Yeah, just wipe it down first. Um, there, there's <laughs> or definitely don't, it'll <laughs> slip through the door better. <laughs> <laughs> there's something endearing about that, though. Like, uh, y- you can kind of see the that humans put this together aspects of this movie in those goofy moments. And while they aren't scary, I s- they still make me like the movie in some way. Yeah, I, I laugh at it every time, but I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't want it to look real at this point. Uh, uh, but yeah, it is fucking goofy as shit. The long arms always throw me off. Uh, I feel like that concept is ideally terrifying, and the execution makes it goofy. Yeah, just someone that can grow their arms and reach you from like wherever is just, <laughs> especially like someone that looks like him. Like fuck that, I'm I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think if, I'm not fucking with that. <laughs> I, I think maybe if it were a quicker shot so we just saw that oh my god he has really long arms what the fuck and then we were like trying to escape as opposed to having so long to look at them that we could see them kind of moving in a way that was very obviously like wave. a movie prop <laughs> yeah it looked like he was doing the wave or something with his arms <laughs> he's just really into sports okay <clears throat> <laughs> his favorite team won what team is like green and red <laughs> probably some Canadian team Blackhawks that works yeah I don't know but sure let's <laughs> go do. for it I'm right I don't know teams <laughs> uh, yeah I think the long arms and uh that it was the same dream sequence I'm almost positive when he like rips off his own face hmm. I love that shit so much where he's like on top of Tino or whatever and he just yeah. I don't remember exactly what he said but cracks me up I love it that one and like the when he's like, hey, look, and then he cuts his fingers off and just has this fucking shit-eating look on his face. <laughs> or it's like it's like when a kid does something gross just to get a reaction. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. He, I mean, he's like a child killer, but honestly, he's kind of childish at heart, like with the way he goes about killing people. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, okay. This is something that stood out to me where, like, out of the three that we've talked about so far between Freddy, Jason, and uh, Michael Myers... There's something about Freddy that, like, the whole sleep aspect is super scary, but Freddy himself feels kind of not that powerful or, like, intimidating because he kind of just, like, he spends so much time, like, wrestling with, like, these teenagers that uh, if you're really scary, I feel like you should be able to overpower pretty quickly. But there's a lot of, like, oh, no, they got away. I'll get them next time and kind of, like, almost Scooby-Doo-esque shit going on. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking that same thing. Where it's like I, I still like like I, I enjoy how it plays out. It's just interesting to me how like he's not OP at least in this one, and it's kind of like a yeah. I, I think that's a choice that definitely comes with its own like it, it makes it more of a game instead of just this hopeless feeling of dread, like you can't get away from him. And it obviously works toward the end of the movie with you know there being like a fighting back from the main character. But yeah, it, it's something that stood out to me. I thought it was interesting. He's kind of hindered because when they wake up, he can't do anything. So, like, if something wakes them up when he's about to kill them, then he's just kind of shit out of luck and, I guess, like, sits down and waits for him to fall asleep again. <laughs> but- <laughs> imagine, do you know I want a scene of just Freddy just in that boiler room, just cross-legged, like, playing solitaire <laughs> on the floor, like, waiting for them to get back up? <laughs> oh, shit, they're here. All right. All right. Ha, ha, ha. Look at my arms. <laughs> But between that and then, I think there's also an aspect of like him kind of just toying with him. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there are definitely bits where like he could easily kill him. Like when he rips off his face and laughs, like he could have easily just killed her right there. Mm-hmm. 
So I think there is a bit of him kind of playing with his food in a way. Not that he, I don't know if he eats them or not. I don't think so. But in that kind of same like way, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, de- I definitely got that impression too. Like he, he was obviously doing it as like it's fun for him and it's torture for them. Um, right. But yeah, I, there were elements where it was like, okay, yes, this dynamic works. But additionally, there's this layer of Freddy feeling very easy to get away from as far as like if all you have to do is outrun him. And he, right. But that's the thing too, because there's, and, and maybe the other movies kind of address this as far as like, Freddy has a lot of really cool abilities and we see brief instances of him using those abilities in really creative ways where it's like the alleyway scene where he's running like a fucking maniac after her and then he appears in front of her <laughs> like I love that run too <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you so goofy <laughs> it's like if somebody hired their uncle to scare the kids for Halloween and just like yeah, yeah. Just, just run at him it's like Argh! but yeah, like one too many beers and he can't run straight <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah and I think Craven as well dug into that in Scream even more with them being like real people and not anything supernatural, but like tripping over stuff and like being able to be pushed down really easily because they're just high school kids, you know? Hmm. Like spo- Whoa, spoiler spoilers. Alert, I guess. Yeah, sorry. Have y'all seen Scream? <laughs> sorry. Yes. I haven't. Okay. <laughs> really? Yeah, I- I've always meant to watch Scream uh, and just <laughs> never gotten around to it. Dude, holy shit. Okay. Um, I won't say anything else then, but Courtney, yeah, Courtney like Cox's he really dove in into worst. him them being cut. <laughs> Do what? Sorry, sorry. I was just uh, interrupting to address the scariest uh, movie monster of all time, Courtney Cox's hair in the first Scream movie. Oh my god! I think it's the third one where she has like those really short bangs. Oh, is it the third one? I think it's one of the sequels. It's either two or three, but yeah, it's it's god awful. It's real bad. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> um, but yeah, he really dove into like just kind of the goofy killer, you know, someone that trips and falls down and doesn't really like take it seriously, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Which is nice because Michael and Jason both take it extremely seriously and don't really talk at all. So they yeah. just kind of walk and then stab and then walk and then stab. So, and while I love those, there's nothing wrong with that. I'd like that this one kind of stands out. Totally. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I agree that it's more dynamic as far as like what you get to do with the character and of the three, and maybe part of it is just the mask. Um, but Freddie definitely has a fuckload of personality, and that's obviously gone a long way for yeah. why we're still talking about him, you know, this many years later. So many years later, yeah, for sure. And he really dives into that humor later too. Um. He that's when he starts I think the third one is when he starts calling like everyone bitch like just constantly and it's like a little over the top and kind of funny <laughs> yeah and they really dive into that in uh, Freddy vs. Jason and I think Rick and Morty have a joke about that too yeah yeah I was wondering but, um, where it was from <laughs> oh the Rick and Morty joke yeah gee Rick yeah, she says later, bitch a lot later one he's <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah, I don't really have a whole lot more to say about it. I, if you want to dive into, uh, you know, giving our ratings and our final thoughts, I guess. Oh, damn. Josh, if you want to go first. Sure. Uh, I I gave this one three and a half out of five stars. I, I enjoyed it overall. I wanted to like it more. There were parts in the middle that felt like I'm watching this happen, but I'm not super interested in it. Whereas 
the beginning I thought was super compelling and had a lot of great moments and the whole ending once it was like all right like I'm gonna stop this guy like you know the stakes are real I gotta do this it's just me like all that was super interesting to watch um and and yeah uh I, I can't think of any movie that has more convincingly pulled off uh, a sentient murderous car with a striped convertible top so I get extra <laughs> points for that all right what about you Chris I gave it a three stars I think it's a... Hey, that's solid. Yeah, I think it's a totally good movie. I don't mean to come off like I hated it. It just wasn't the best movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that's <laughs> fine. Is, I didn't this expect this to be. is not the Belko experience. Oh, so you did really love this one, huh? Because you hated that one. Or did you love Belko? Oh, yeah, you loved Belko. Uh, <laughs> I think he's going to just not answer that one. <laughs> All right, I'll dive into mine. I'm getting um, just more angry as you continue speaking. <laughs> Hyperventilating over here. <laughs> I mean, Freddy Krueger's the John Marston of movie monsters, right? <laughs> I mean, he definitely takes his yes. time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to continue my streak of giving everything we watch five stars, and I'm going to give this one five stars. Oh, my stars. God. <laughs> hey, I've world? had this one at five stars for a long time, okay? This is one of my favorite movies of all time. I just don't get it, but okay, well, that's cool. Good, good rating, five stars. <laughs> Woo! Hey, All right, look. Everyone's allowed to have movies they know are not masterpieces, but they love them anyway. I, absolutely. Listen, I would never say the movie's perfect, and I would never say it's the best movie ever made. But it is absolutely one of my favorite movies of all time, and I would rewatch it every day if given the opportunity. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so Chris, it's your turn to pick. Am I correct? It is. You are correct, and I forgot. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know what movie to pick. The Notebook. That's not a bad pick, actually. You know what? I, I like The Notebook. The movie that we are going to watch is a star-making role for a couple people. Uh, it is now streaming on Amazon Prime, and it is called Twilight. Damn. <laughs> All right, so. I guess we're doing Twilight. <laughs> we're doing Twilight. <laughs> All right. It's going to be fun. I'm actually kind of hyped My for fiance this. will be extremely excited to watch this one with me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, hey, boy. hey, Twilight is nostalgic for me because, like, my, it was so huge, like, at the time, which was, oh, like, yeah. I was Dude, in high school, so. I like My sister's books. room was completely decked out. <laughs> like, everything was Team Edward all over the, <laughs> it was all over the house. It was just it was on her car it was everywhere amazing so beautiful and i did like the books as well i don't yeah, know no, what you I, all said that but that was me i've read i read okay, all the yeah. books i think they're legitimately good oh okay let me rephrase that i don't think they're legitimately <laughs> they're good i think they're enjoyable yes yeah they're fun the, reads the last one gets weird with the borderline pedophile stuff but. <laughs> i don't remember that i haven't read them since 11th grade uh i read the first <laughs> book and maybe half of new moon and then i just forgot to get back to it they're great audiobooks. I love your choice. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if you're kidding, but either way. I am not kidding. We're watching Twilight <laughs> next week, boys. <laughs> All right. I guess I will close this out this week. Yeah, rock it out. Mm. So thank you guys for listening and enjoying our podcast this week about A Nightmare on Elm Street. You can check us out on Twitter at matinee underscore midweek on facebook at midweek matinee and joshua what is our instagram name 
Uh, yeah, I definitely have that ready and know it by heart. And I am, uh, it's midweek matinee, all one word. Okay, awesome. So check us out online, anywhere that social media is available, except mm-hmm. for TikTok. We don't have a TikTok. Yeah. Make a TikTok. We should make a TikTok. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> recreate movie scenes. <laughs> oh, That's geez. actually a very good idea. <laughs> we should do we'll that. cut this. And we should get on <laughs> Copyright uh, Club it. Penguin. We should get on Club Penguin. Oh, okay. I'm down. <laughs> I'm down for Club Penguin. I, I actually right. looked at the PSN name changes, and if I could have gotten Matt, uh, Midweek Matinee Fig Long. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Would have been cool. Yeah. I would have been down with that. Thanks, Sony. <laughs> Thanks, Shuhei. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm buying a GameCube. You let me change my name, and then you don't. You give me limitations. <laughs> you fucks. I'm just gonna change my name to Ridge Racer with six R's. <laughs> Real All Japanese right. history, giant enemy crafts. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. You can follow us on Patreon. That's a thing too. Brett's not here. Blake didn't say that. Brett's yeah, I not forgot here. about Patreon. <laughs> oh yeah, Brett's Brett here. usually does this. I'm so new. <laughs> also, if you didn't hear Brett talking, it's because he's not here this week. <laughs> but until next week, gonna give a special shout out to all of our patrons. With special shout out to Josh Drill, Matthew Green. My name is Dan Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Joshua Lago, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stoner, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, Tyler B, and for her last week this month, Miss Allie Valiant. Thank y'all so much. Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink, Care of the Funny Farm.